stats, booms, busts, sleepers. Listen to Adam and Vincent with Fantasy Pandemic on Monday and Thursday evenings via Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow them on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic, at Fantasy Cajun, and at FF Little Finger. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Pandemic Podcast. I am your host, the Fantasy Cajun himself, Adam Bryce, uh, along with my co-host, Mr. FF Littlefinger, Vincent Hargrave. Tonight, we are going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about some of our Dynasty by-low candidates. Uh, we've uh, Vincent and I have each went through some, some picks and players uh, out of each position, uh, players who we think may not be, you know, uh, in a good spot right now, but they could be in the future. And people with you know who we think they are by low candidates. Um, Vincent, I know you're uh, you were at a little eating a little Mexican night, having, having a couple of drinks. So I'm sure you're feeling pretty good, feeling great as always until tomorrow morning when the Mexican hits. So right now the booze is flowing, and tomorrow the Mexican will be flowing. All right, well that's that's good enough. I had I had hot dogs, so didn't really get crazy there. But you know, hey. That works. Uh, well, let's, let's kick it off. Uh, who's your first quarterback that's your by-low candidate right now? So I think it's just, I mean, you're scraping the barrel. This is like one of those uh, dirty sandwiches, where, you know, they, they call it the kitchen floor, where they just throw whatever they have left at the end of the night. But, I mean, Cam has to be a by-low because it doesn't cost anything. And I guess kind of the, the way I preface, you know, we're going to do the buys tonight and the sells uh, next week at some point. It's – it's all relative to what you get. You know, some of these names are going to be big names. Some of these are going to be Cam, who's obviously a big name in a bad spot. So, you know, I didn't want to pick all bottom dwellers. But, you know, some of the sells could be big names, but it's all about what you can get. I mean, realistically, you could sell Christian McCaffrey if you got a fucking King's Ransom. So it's all about perspective. But Cam could cost you nothing. And I guess we should clarify, right now we're kind of looking at Dynasty because we can't really talk about redraft or buy-sell. And, you know, it's more like, that's more like sell high and, you know, trade for, keep or stuff. But so right now we're looking at Dynasty and it's just he, he, he should cost you nothing. Um, the owner, obviously, there's that upside. But if it's somebody that has a stable of quarterbacks or a few quarterbacks, you know, Cam is going to land with the team, even if he doesn't land with the team this year. Um, I do think he will get a shot. Um, it, I don't know if it'll be with the Patriots. I don't if, – if it's not them, it'll be with an injury somewhere or – maybe Haskins is not working out, you know, somewhere like Rivera, and then Cam, they bring Cam in, you know, kind of maybe a bridge quarterback till the quarterback of the future of Haskins is not going to be that guy. But he shouldn't cost you anything, and he has, you know, quarterback one upside if he is healthy. And I think the only way he gets signed is if he is healthy. So I just – I, it just it's just the, it's the low-hanging fruit, and I don't know how you can pass up the fantasy points that he produces. You know, I'm not a Cam guy. I don't particularly like Cam Newton. But when he is on the f- field, he is putting up points week in and week out. And he can win a league, especially when he can cost you nothing right, near, right now. I agree with you that he costs you nothing because, to me, he basically is nothing. Um, I have never really been a big Cam believer since he came in the league. I think he's gotten away with a lot of uh, the things that he does because – he has just that raw talent and size and speed that just sets him apart from other, you know, quarterbacks. And I think he's gotten himself this far basically on that alone. I really don't think he's got a whole lot of talent behind him. I think now with the shoulder injuries that he's had, um, some other injuries that he's just been taking, getting beaten up on because over time your body cannot handle those types of hits game in and game out. And Cam was just uh, getting his body abused game in and game out. And I think it's finally taken its toll. Um, I do worry about him getting signed because I do feel he's kind of like a diva. So I do worry about that. I, I could see him coming in as a back in a backup role this year. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that no team wants him as a starter unless their player, unless a quarterback goes down with a, a significant injury. Um, he's just not someone that I, I've ever planted my flag in. That I've he just I've always struggled with Cam, although he has been a fantasy producer for some years. He had you know a couple of very very large seasons, but he's also had some very very poor seasons. No, I mean he's. His poor seasons have been, you know, to your argument, injury specific. Yes. And it's 
it's hard for me to just completely say he's done where, you know, with the shoulder because we've seen people come back. I mean, you've seen Breeze. Obviously, this won't be that, and they're different points of their career. But you've seen significant injuries, and I don't think he – when it's all said and done, he doesn't have to throw the ball great because he never really has. He just has to be able to be confident. And, again, in any right situation, I think he can be serviceable. If Minshew takes a hit, him in Jacksonville, he can be very serviceable. Again, if he doesn't work out in Washington, he can be serviceable. Not that he is going to set offensive records for the season, but he absolutely, I believe, can deliver fantasy points because it was his shoulder that was hurt, and it sucks that it was his shoulder that was hurt, and it's his throwing shoulder. However, his legs still move, and he can still put up points. And when it's all said and done, again, it's relative. You know, I mean, it's easy to go say, you know, go by Drew Locke. Well, no shit. I mean, you know, obviously that's that's low-hanging fruit. I just – this is somebody that will cost you nothing. You can go to the cam owner. You can give a late-round pick or swap maybe a, a veteran that's got, you know, a year left in another position. And if you need a quarterback, I, I can absolutely see a market for him. I also see a sell market for him, but I think there could be an easy deal done for Cam. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, speaking of, you know, Washington and my first quarterback, who I think is a by-low can, and that's, you know, maybe you could even refer to him as a baby cam. That's Dwayne Haskins. I mean, Haskins is a pretty big boy himself. Um, he was pretty putrid throwing the ball last year. Um, you know, he started seven games, and that offense was really terrible just from the, just from the outset. It never really got going outside of Terry McLaurin. They never got a, a run game really established. Uh, in comes Ron Rivera. And what if, you know, Ron Rivera sees Dwayne Haskins as like a Cam Newton and plays him like Cam Newton did, you know, doing quarterback draws, you know, throwing his body out on the line. You know, this is someone that, you know, in a dynasty format, whether it's one or two quarterback setting, you can probably get pretty on the cheap right now pretty good because – the owner right now probably feels, you know, pretty rough about having to own Haskins, not really thinking anything much of it. But I, I do feel like Ron Rivera could potentially uh, turn him into a, a, a mini, mini Cam Newton. And if that is the case and he comes out and plays like that, well, you've gotten yourself a quarterback uh, for next to nothing um, and maybe say the next two to three seasons could give you some, maybe some cam like numbers. And when cam was playing well, uh, he was producing at a very high level from a fantasy perspective. And I think Dwayne Haskins could, could potentially be that person. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm telling you right now, I do not think Dwayne Haskins is a very good quarterback. I also didn't think cam Newton was a very good quarterback, but from a fantasy perspective and the things that they do, it makes them good fantasy quarterbacks. And I think Dwayne Haskins has that potential to be a good fantasy quarterback in a, a, um, in a Ron Rivera system. I think that I, I'll, I'll freely admit, I have no idea who the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins is right now, but I do think Jay Gruden is a good offensive play caller. And I think Washington has been one of the most snake bit injury teams I've ever seen in the last few years. And I think the trainer has been fired and, and there's, that's been very publicized for how bad that that has been. I don't think Dwayne Haskins comes close to being the uh, physical freak that Cam Newton was. They gave him his, he always had the low floor. I mean, the high floor fantasy points because Cam was so much bigger, better, stronger than faster than everybody else. Uh, I don't see that with Haskins. I think how you call him Cam Jr. Like I, I agree, but it's like when you have that, arrogant asshole older brother and then there's the younger version of him but it's like the little dog syndrome and he it's just i don't see it you know it's <laughs> cam gets traumatic and wears all the flow you know he does a superman and all the other shit it gives you know but he gives the ball to the kids and the fans and in the stands meanwhile haskins is you know taking pictures he needs to be on the fucking field so it's funny because i'm looking at the fantasy pros ranking right now and we did not plan this at all and Cam Newton is one spot higher than Haskins in fucking dynasty ranking. And we both know that Cam is on his way out and Haskins theoretically is on his way in. But realistically, the Redskins are the worst team in that division. I'm sure they're giving Rivera a leash. And I would not be surprised if the Redskins have the number one pick going into next season. And if that's the case, Haskins is fucking done if he even makes it through this year. 
if Cam does not replace him. So it's, it is very, um, you know, we talked to, you know, we had our five minute pregame before this about different players and we didn't match up anywhere. And somehow we still gelled in these two fuck sticks that, you know, <laughs> nobody really wants, but they can provide value because you're giving up, you know, a fourth, a fifth round pick or, you know, some other prospect for them. And especially like if they're in a super flex, like we are, regardless, they're going to have value because Haskins is going to absolutely get a whole lot of garbage time opportunities. And he, he does have a lot of skilled players around him. Um, And I think next year he's going to have a lot less of those deadweight bodies, but it might not be him who's there anymore. It's going to probably be somebody else. So I, I think Cam, if he gets an opportunity, has two or three years left. I don't know if Haskins has this year left. So that's why I may be a little more down on buying him. That, and I agree with you, I just, I just don't like him. Cam, I cannot like, and I've seen it. Haskins, I just don't like, and I haven't. So that's when was the last time you've seen it from Cam? When he was throwing the ball in the dirt in, uh, at um, the Carolina game where the Saints uh, beat their ass and Kamara no, did no, not I'm score talking about when. I'm talking about when was the last time you've seen Cam? No, it's been, it's been be two years. Cam. It's been a year and a, it's been at least a year and a half. It was the first it, part. It's been of, it's been more than two seasons. Right. Well, I think it was the first part of that other year, but yeah, he got banged up early and he stayed banged up. And here's the thing. I don't necessarily think that sometimes a year away is a bad thing at this point. I mean, I think some of these injury, especially the guys that have been banged up, like I I would feel very confident if Andrew Luck re-signed right now. Like he could probably play, you know. I mean, even oh, ju- you just fuck you yeah. Ca- well, I'm just saying. You hear Gronk talk about how Gronk's like. I've, I feel better than I've felt in my entire life. What, what else is he going to say? He's not been beat up, and you know he was, but he was, you know, turning into the damn Terminator just between injuries and freaking metal and giant elbow pads and everything else. And I think some of these guys, they don't have that opportunity unless it's significant or the circumstances work out. And I think. I don't know if Cam will sign as a backup unless it is a very comfortable situation or a very likely opportunity he has a chance to succeed. I do think 2020 Haskins will has a much better chance to score more points than Cam. 2021, I would completely flip off that and think Cam has a high, much higher upside because he will have a full year and a half to be rehabilitated, and I think he will get an opportunity. Hell yeah. I, I dig it, man. I, I like it. I like, I like the boldness. So uh, my other one is I just – I think the hate's gone really far, and we have pushed that hate. Um, not that, you know, the 12 of y'all that listen, we appreciate. But I think Aaron Rodgers just partially because he is going to be consistent. I would – I think you can buy Aaron Rodgers because the Aaron Rodgers owner, especially in Dynasty, has had them for a year, two years, three years, however many years he's had them and they have felt the decline, I think you can buy him for his floor, which I think is where it's at probably in his career right now, and you can get serious value for that because he is going to be consistent. You know, you look at the redraft, people draft him way too early because of the name Aaron Rodgers, and they don't get those dividends that his name used to um, perform. But I think you can buy him on the cheap. He is going to perform as he has performed, which has been okay. You know, you're not going to lose if he's in your super flex. You just maybe he's not going to maybe win you a game. But if they are of the mind that you are, that this may be Aaron Rodgers last year. And we've seen a lot of people move teams, whether it's Brady this year, Peyton previously, and these guys with a lot of experience in a new surrounding with a new motivation and a chip on their shoulder and a lot more talent than they had previously now have a real chance to succeed. And if you want to buy Aaron Rodgers, you buy him now and you talk to the owner about how shitty it is that he plays for LaFleur with fucking three running backs and one wide receiver. <clears throat> and that's all true. And Aaron Rodgers still is not going to throw interceptions. He's not going to hurt you. He is going to be very level. But you hope that, you know, it turns to shit. They don't make the playoffs. And he gets fucking moved out of town. And wherever that is, is going to be more upside because that coach – is going to want to use Aaron Rodgers. And I just think that the hate's gone really far and you can get a, you know, a top four caliber quarterback for three to four more years. You know, when I was uh, thinking about names, Aaron Rodgers was definitely a name on the list. And it's exactly for, for what you're saying. You almost want Green Bay to be a dumpster fire so Aaron Rodgers can get kicked out of town and go to a place where you know he does still have probably two to good three three seasons left in him, in my opinion, of good, solid fantasy producing seasons. And I think a, a change of scenery, 
almost like a Peyton Manning going from Indy to Denver and, you know, Peyton blowing up that season, throwing 50 touchdowns. You know, you could, I could easily see something out of Aaron Rodgers like that. And I'm like, I'm going to put something in your head now. And I think we've even briefly talked about it. Drew Locke, let's say he flops in Denver this year. Aaron Rodgers going out of town, put Aaron Rodgers in that Denver offense. How many points a game is that Denver offense scoring? Oh, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, with that talent, especially if they wait till Drew Locke flops this year and all those guys have one year in the league to get their feet under them. And Sutton's ready to take that step. Fans ready to take that step. You got the stable of running backs. Even if it's just Melvin Gordon, Lindsey's gone. I mean, it's absolutely loaded. And that was, I mean, again, we've seen it because Elway has done it. And that is the poster child of landing spots unless Aaron Rodgers wants to give a big F you to the whole world and he goes to New England, which at that point, you would probably be okay with that as well. Yeah, I think I'd be okay with him going to New England too. But just just thinking about those two places and two opportunities for him to really shine out, I, to me, I will say Denver is a whole lot better position than New England is right now. Oh, without, without, a, without, a serious, doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, they have some serious work to do at receiver and tight end. Uh, running backs, even a question mark for them. So they, they've got a whole lot more question marks in Denver. But I, w- I would like love to see him go any any place, either of those places. I think it would be great. So I'm definitely liking the Aaron Rodgers pick. Um, my uh, my other Bilo candidate was someone who uh, really, from the onset of his career for the first six seasons, was a complete flop. He was a top ten pick out of Texas A and M. And he played in Miami by the name of Ryan Tannehill. He had all the measurables, six four. You know, he had a big arm and had a lot of talent. And, you know, he only played a couple seasons at Texas A&M as quarterback, and he gets drafted, you know, in the top ten by Miami. Granted, he was always hurt at Miami was one of the problems he had when he was there. The other problem is he had four different offensive coordinators in six seasons. Now, when Tanny Hill was on the field, he did pretty well. But the problem is with the inconsistency at offensive coordinator in Miami, his injury history – it just never really meshed well. And him finally getting out of town, going over to Tennessee, and not having that pressure of being the starting quarterback, having the opportunity to be behind Mariota and kind of take a different approach to starting, you know, an NFL season for Tannehill this time. And Mariota, you know, basically gets booed out of town. Tannehill comes in, uh, you know, saves the fucking day, throws 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, 2,700 yards, Took a lot of a lot of people to fantasy championships last year, including myself. Uh, you know, uh, week sixteen, he's playing the Saints. Those for three touchdowns, almost three hundred yards. Can't ask for much more than a, someone who you picked up off the free agency wire. He signs a big fat contract over there, and I don't think the Tennessee coaching staff is going anywhere anytime soon. Tannehill has a lot of talent around him. I know Derrick Henry's on the franchise tag right now. Uh, but they do have A.J. Brown. They've got some other younger uh, talent over there. They've got John New Smith over there. They've got a very good offensive line, just drafted Darrington Evans. So there are pieces around for someone like a Tanya who, who may still have that kind of, oh, well, maybe I can you know kind of sell semi-high type of vibe to him. But really, I think in, in a reality, I think it's more of a buy low and someone that you could buy potentially kind of low on in a dynasty format and have some pretty good rewards. And like I said, he's going to be there three to four years. And I don't think the coaching staff's going anywhere in Tennessee. I think they're pretty happy in Tennessee. I do think Tanny Hill could be a potential by low candidate. Right. I, I mean, I agree with all what you said, his offensive benefits and what his upside could be. My problem is, is I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that you can buy him low because I think you wrote him to a, you know, a fantasy championship last year. And those people that own him in dynasty, they maybe would be willing to sell him because maybe it was a one-year wonder. Maybe he hits, maybe he doesn't. But I think he's at his peak right now. I don't think if you look at rankings, he's not there. But I think if you own him, like you're going to want more than the market would demand. So um, in a vacuum, I agree with everything you said, that he does have that upside. He probably is not getting pushed out of town, barring some sort of uh, significant collapse, which is going to be very hard to do with the offense they run where it's handoff, 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 fucking chuck it to A.J. Brown, and the other, like, three first-round receivers they have running around on their team. But I just – I don't know how you can get value for Tannehill. Man, maybe you can. I just – and if you find that owner that has him and you believe in him, it's just 
with the uncertainty of only seeing it for a half a year versus what that guy's going to want. I just don't – I think you get I, – I th- the problem is that Tannehill, I think you can get fair value for him. I just don't know if it's really going to be a buying situation where, you know, you're going to get the advantage in it, which is fine. Again, it's all relative. Like, you can get a – you probably can get a fair trade. Tannehill's probably one of the safest quarterbacks you can get a fair trade for if you need a quarterback. I just don't know if you're going to be able to um, get any sort of advantage over the person giving him up. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I, I totally dig that. Fair enough. Let's uh, let's move on to running backs. Uh, I'll start. I'll kick it off with my running back. The first running back I've got on the board here, uh, that's Kareem Hunt. You know, when Kareem Hunt came back from suspension in Cleveland, uh, I saw his stat on Twitter the other day, and basically when Hunt came back, he was he scored more fantasy points than Nick Chubb. Uh, only only out of the last, I think it was eight weeks, he scored more points than Nick Chubb six out of those eight weeks. Tells me that Hunt is prime for you know another big RBBC role this year, but the big thing is to me, um, you know Hunt is still 24 years old. When he was at Kansas City, he was fucking a stud, and he's shown that he's got great talent in Cleveland. He's on a one-year deal, and as long as he keeps his nose out of trouble, he should be able to go somewhere else next season and get paid for say a three to four year deal. And maybe you're getting, you're buying someone right now who's probably around the RB two to RB three, but the upside here is you're buying a running back for the future in a potential RB one situation in 2021. And that's kind of what I'm, where I'm going with, you know, buying cream hunt now versus buying him a year later when he is that top dog, he did get paid that nice contract like Melvin Gordon did this year. And he's someone that, you know, once that happens, you won't be able to buy him very low at that point, but he's got talent. And it's very, it's very clear. The big thing is, can he keep his nose out of trouble? Because I think if he get, if he gets probably gets caught again in some type of trouble, then he's probably going to be suspended an entire season. So that is the one downside and flaw to trading and buying low on cream hunt. Well, and that's what, and that's what you push to the person if if you're going for him. That's you're like, hey, look, man. I mean, he's on the fence. You know, one freaking you know bad comment or backhand, he's out the league. But which is very true, but I agree with you. And I think you can buy him as his, you know, as the RB2 there. And he's, you know, probably an RB3 maybe points-wise because him and Chubb are just going to vulture each other so much. However, he is serviceable this year, and you pay for what his serviceability is right now. And knowing that if there is a Chubb injury, he's legitimate. And that the other owner may not know that there's only one year left on the contract. So you buy him in the contract year, hoping, um, like you said, that he gets the opportunity somewhere else. You know, say Chris Carson, for example, stays banged up and they need to run it back. I mean, Kareem Hunt steps in right there and is just running and gunning. You know, Drake doesn't work out. You know, these places that don't have a whole lot of great depth where Kareem Hunt can immediately step in and be the superior player. You know, Montgomery doesn't work <laughs> out. You know, there's a lot of different scenarios where Hunt will be valuable and he is going to have some value here. And you can play pay that flat rate, and hope for the inflation next year when he if he does get a RB one opportunity. Yeah, totally, and I, I think he will get that RB one opportunity as long as he stays uh, out of trouble. That's just the biggest thing with Hunt. I mean, he's only twenty four years old, so he's definitely still got you know a few seasons, few good solid seasons left in the tank. If he lands in a good opportunity, he could absolutely be an RB one in twenty twenty one and going forward. Absolutely. So I mentioned Chris Carson. I'll go ahead and lead off with him because I think he's absolutely an easy buy low right now because I, he is clearly going to be the guy right now in Seattle. You know, everything is setting up for Penny not to be ready for the beginning of the season. You know, they bring in Carlos Hyde not to take away from Carson, but to be the insurance policy because Penny won't be ready. You know, they drafted DJ Dallas. But they, bringing in Hyde, I don't think is much of a, a crutch against Carson as it is just an insurance if Dallas doesn't work out. So you got a young rookie. Carlos is, you know, shopped around the league. He's just – he's a guy. And Carroll trusts him. And if, if Carroll trusts him, he's going to get the run regardless of he fumbles or not. And he's proven it last year. And everything's saying that he's going to be healthy. 
but his guy got banged up at the end of the year. You know, it's kind of a shaky situation. That's those, those are the times that you want to like strike when the owner may be, you know, um, uncertain of what the future may hold. And then, you know, you position that. Say, so, look, they're bringing all these guys. They're into Devonta Freeman. You know, I, is he going to be ready? But if he's out there week one, he is absolutely going to be a workhorse running back. And there's not going to be a, the only thing that's going to take anything away from him. If they open Russell Wilson up a little bit, they're not going to just all of a sudden start feeding Carlos Hyde to the extent that Carson is going to lose value. And I think Carson is a very good running back. He's a very safe running back. And I don't think you would have to give much to the right owner. If there is any sort of doubt in that guy's mind, it's very easy to plant those seeds of doubt in a Chris Carson owner right now. Yeah, you're 100% right about that because I would be one of those people, if I was a Chris Carson owner, I would be someone who would probably be ready to give him up um, at a, anything that I saw that was decent because to me, Chris Carson is just an injury away from from being out of football for the rest of his career. I, I think that's kind of where the point Chris Carson is at. He's constantly getting some some very big injuries um, you know, he's coming off a big injury now uh, in 2019. So that that's just one of the big things that kind of concerns me with him. But I do think you're right. If you are a believer in Chris Carson, and when he is on the field, he is in a borderline RB1. Let's no, let's make no mistake about that. When Chris Carson is on the field, he is a borderline RB1, if not an RB1. But as long as if he cannot be on the field when he's hurt, then that's a problem. And that could be the one downfall of this. But if you're a Chris Carson believer and you think he's going to be ready for the season and he's someone you think who's going to stay healthy, healthy for the next two to three seasons, by all means, go get him because he is a very talented running back. And I certainly believe he is more than capable of producing some big time numbers. And you'd probably get him right now for a RB2, RB3 ish type of value, in my opinion. No, I, and that's and, and, and that's where you're at. It's, it's it's not. It's about what he can be relative to what you have to give up for him now. And I think that somebody would be willing to sell him on his low end. You know, you want to buy somebody while they're at the bottom, and the stock can rise. And if it does fizzle out, you didn't give. You know, you didn't mortgage the house over it. So it's just uh, to me, it is complete upside to go for him with. Serious upside, like you said, borderline RB one. I mean, it's the it's one of the most run heavy teams in the league, and he is going to get almost all of that run. And I, I had Chris Carson last year, and any chance I can, I'm all in on him because I I am a, one of those believers. Yeah, and I, I I totally understand because when he's on the field, he is absolutely a producer. Um, this next guy on my list has just had a really injury-riddled start to his career, and that's Darius Geis. Darius was a beast out at LSU, but uh, since he's been in the NFL, you know, the first season, he he goes down with a torn ACL, doesn't even play a game. Uh, The next season, he plays one game, goes down with an injury, doesn't come back until week 11. Then he plays another four weeks, goes down again, and is out for the season. Um. Darius really never had these injury issues in LSU. So to see him have these injury issues in the NFL with Washington kind of bothers me a little bit. He has all the talent in the world. And I think you could probably lean on a Darius Geis owner right now. I will say this. I am a Darius Geis owner right now. <clears throat> I was considering packaging, packaging him up in a trade today uh, to move out because um, I'm just, he's just someone I'm ready to sell on because I've I don't, I believe in the talent, but at the same time, his injury history has really just kind of bothered me a little bit, <clears throat> but to the right owner, he is someone that you could probably buy low right now, who, if he stays healthy, can produce on the field, and in the little time that he saw last season, I mean, he ran the ball 42 times, and rushed for 245 yards at a 5.83 yard per average clip, that's pretty damn solid. And he had seven receptions for 79 yards and receiving touchdowns. So, I mean, he had three touchdowns. So, when he was on the field, he did produce pretty well. So, and that's the big thing. Can he stay healthy? In a Ron Rivera-type offense, could Darius Geis be, you know, the uh, D'Angelo Williams to uh, – and then I don't know who would be the Jonathan Stewart, maybe Adrian Peterson. I don't know. Who would it be? I mean, right now, I, I see it's AP. You know, I think – 
that they have just a whole lot of bodies and uh, they're creating quite the plethora of uh, flexible pieces back there. But I think that, I mean, Peterson still performs and he's very safe. And I think that, you know, him and Geis and will get hand in hand. And if Geis can carry the load, you know, I think that they just kind of ease him in to make sure that nothing happens. Um, I almost put Geis as one of my buys because I, I, I do think there's, infinite opportunity and it should cost you nothing i mean nobody should pay for darius guys like you said you're talking about packaging him like i think it has to be part of a package i don't think anybody is just reaching for guys necessarily but if you have a uh very safe running back situation and you're you know looking for a lottery ticket guys is that opportunity um i don't think that he's nearly as safe only because he's just been unlucky and you can you know change your luck so if he can stay healthy and the Redskins staff doesn't like keep killing people, then I completely agree with the buy scenario because it's all about cost and reward. And he has every potential, if he still has his skill set based off of his injuries, to be a true three down running back. I don't know if they will use him as that. Um, I think they have too many people to validate that. And why would you risk it with him with his history? So, I think it would take a year of majority of games healthy to gain that into next year. So you may not see immediate dividends, but you should see an uptick this year that should carry into next year, barring an injury. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of why I, I selected him as one of my by low candidates. He, he's got the potential, but the real question is, can he, can he just stay on the field? Cause when he's on the field, he produces, so that's really the big question mark. And he could certainly do well in a Ron Rivera-type offense. Right. Well, my next uh, buy is almost similar to Aaron Rodgers' situation, and it's Melvin Gordon. You know, the, I, the hate has gone so far, and he is in a somewhat crowded backfield. But I think that, you know, the shine off of the Lindsey Penny kind of wore off towards last year. Obviously, Royce Freeman has not worked out how they wanted. I think – Freeman, you know, has a future somewhere else, but it's not going to be in Denver. And I think Gordon has been paid to be the lead ball carrier. He has been proven to be a three down back. He is a big son of a bitch and he has a chip on his shoulder. I think that there is a huge future immediately for Melvin Gordon and that could, that could uh, impact, especially the next few years, if he is very successful this year, which I think he has every opportunity to be because if Locke can take any sort of a step forward, there are receivers and threats everywhere that should, you know, inhibit defenses from being able to suffocate the line of scrimmage and put too many people in the box. So I think that he's going to get all the run he wants. At the same time, I think he's going to have that Eckler person with him, with Lindsey, so that he's not going to be overworked. So I think, think you're still going to see 15-some touches a week and with higher upside with the touchdown potential, and we talked about previously how he is a much better receiving back than everybody else there. So I think that you have significant volume with what could be a very potent offense, and if it's not there this year, it should be there next year because, again, these young receivers and quarterback having another year, and Melvin Gordon is not that old to where he's he's not on that downward slot of the running back. He should be right in his prime, and it's just – it's. I, I understand where we rank him and everybody else ranks him, but the upside there and the hate has gone so far that because especially going into next season, not this season coming up, that he could skyrocket back to where he was when he was in San Diego and lost you know, Los Angeles, where who knows what's going to happen with Lindsey, who's injury prone himself. So I'm, I think that there's just nothing but upside with a buy from Mel- Melvin Gordon right now. I like Melvin Gordon. I think he's got some serious upside in the offense with with Drew Locke and all that talent. You know, whether it be this year, next year, you know, he certainly has uh, the capabilities. You know, catching the ball off the backfield. You, you you made a great comment about that because we know Philip Lindsay can't catch the ball off the backfield. Um, but my biggest my biggest worry would be: Can you really buy him low right now? Um, I wonder what the Melvin Gordon owner is thinking, you know, with the Denver offense and where he's kind of valuing Melvin Gordon right now, because I feel like you'd have to pay an high, a high RB two 
maybe even low RB1 price for someone like Melvin Gordon right now. And that would be my one concern is can you really buy him low right now? Because I think if I own Melvin Gordon right now, I, I would kind of be thinking along the lines of what the things that you just said. And I would be kind of maybe wanting to just kind of hold and send a sell or buy. I would be more more willing to just kind of hold and just kind of see what happens because he's got a new opportunity in front of him at Denver. No, and if that's how the owner feels, then I wouldn't touch it. I just I, I think that it would be worth it because I've had my own doubts about him, and now just kind of reevaluating the situation. Maybe you find somebody prior to their awakening, if you will. I just if you can find a guy that has those doubts, you know, you talk up Lindsay, three-headed backfield. I mean, it's going to be just like Aaron Jones in Green Bay. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> so, and the other side could be true, but I think that, you know, Philip Lindsay succeeded over Royce Freeman, and I don't think either one of them are close to the caliber running back that Melvin Gordon is. So, I, if you can get him, I say go get him. If you have to pay low RB1 value, it's definitely not worth it because then you're paying for his upside. You know, Melvin Gordon's never been the one to push to that top five guy, you know. I mean, even when he had the volume and everything else, it just, you know, he was on the edge, but he never threatened to be in that upper echelon. You know, he was always that tier two guy, which is there's nothing wrong with. But if I have to pay t- tier two price for him, well, then I don't want it, you know. I mean, that's just a swap. I mean, unless you need a running back. But, you know, we're talking about trying to get value out of these opportunities. So, it's all, I guess, you know, eye of the beholder. So, you find a guy, again, find somebody that doesn't like somebody or frustrated with somebody or, you know, is not aware of the current climate of the NFL. You know, those are the opportunities you got to take advantage of. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, swinging over to wide receivers – uh, my first wide receiver on my list, and to me, I think he's someone of almost kind of a forgotten man on some of the things that he's done over the past couple seasons, and that's Tyler Boyd over in Cincinnati. Um, to me, Tyler Boyd does not get the respect that he deserves. Um, Tyler Boyd's a very talented receiver. He's coming into his fifth year at Cincinnati. Uh, I know there's a couple, uh, there's several different you know, miles to feed over in Cincinnati now. You got Joe Burrow coming in. Uh, you got A.J. Green, who's probably going to be on the field with Cincinnati this year. They drafted T. Higgins. You have Joe Mixon there. You got Auden Tate there. You've got John Ross there. So there's a number of miles to feed there in that offense. But uh, I look I look more towards the future as far as a bio candidate with Tyler Boyd because A.J. Green is probably on his way out. Uh, this probably will be his last season at, at with Cincinnati, you know, after seeing them draft T. Higgins at the beginning of the second round. And think about that. <clears throat> you have a T. Higgins kind of Tyler Boyd one-two combo. And, and let me tell you something. Tyler Boyd was no slouch the past couple seasons. Uh, the past two seasons, he's had 90 receptions and 76 receptions. Both seasons over 1,000 yards. His touchdowns weren't the highest with seven and five in each, in each season, but he certainly has that potential to replace uh, an A.J. Green and have a potential you know, high wide receiver two type of season and someone that you might be able to buy at a wide receiver three value right now. I, yeah, I was – Boyd's one of the ones I'm, I'm very much on the fence on, just the unknown on what that's going to be like. You know, I, I – if they are able to come to any sort of deal with A.J. Green, you know, I think that he's fully capable of putting out two or three more years. And then Higgins is coming up. So maybe he just stays in his role. And as maybe Higgins just replaces A.J. Green and Boyd is just Boyd. So you find, I guess if you find me and I own Boyd, then I think there would be absolutely a buy opportunity. Because I, I do think there's safe production. I'm not sure what his upside is. And I've owned him. And I just – I I, I I just – I don't know. I don't know how it's going to shake out for how the receivers are going to perform. I think if A.J. Green's on the field, I think he's absolutely the number one because I think he's the best talent right now on the field. I think Ty Boyd's very good. I think John Ross is going to fill a role. And I think Higgins is going to be, you know, clearly the up-and-comer over a year or two. But I, I feel really safe about it, and I feel like if you're looking to fill maybe that number two – your number two wide receiver, I think if you could pay – number three wide receiver value, you know, you find say, look, A.J. Green's coming back. You know, Joe Burrow likes to spread the ball around. You know, John Ross is going to be healthy. You know, all this other shit. Like, there 
is absolutely opportunity there. I just uh, it's it's I, I just feel like you know you're buying you're you're buying a middle tier guy, and by middle tier I mean middle tier starter, not not at all like in the rankings. So you know if if you can get him for like a two or a three, you know, a late two, maybe early three pick, and or you know you want to package somebody like maybe somebody's a believer in Geis, and that's kind of a swap. You know, you you're giving up the lottery ticket for a safe number two wide receiver with you know some upside depending on who's on the field. You know, I, I, I completely get it, especially if you're a guy um, that's a believer. And I kind of – I had him – I, I could see somebody selling him as well. So, I think there could be – Tyler Boyd's one of those guys um, that could be moved often because I think there is going to be a lot of polarizing opinions about the Bengals. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of opinions about the Bengals. <clears throat> I'm just kind of looking at it in this in this aspect is – AJ Green possibly be on his last season with Cincinnati. And then John Ross is on his probably the last year with Cincinnati. Remember, Cincinnati didn't pick up uh, John Ross's fifth year uh, option. So he's probably on his last season with Cincinnati. So you can have potentially two receivers out the door. And then you can have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins sitting there with Auden Tate in the slot or something um, in 2021. So with Joe Burr at quarterback, there's certainly the potential there. And that's kind of where I'm, where I'm kind of looking at and looking ahead uh, in a dynasty format, something like that. No, absolutely. And I, I can see, I can understand all those perspectives. And I, I, I think there could be a lot of movement on Boyd, especially depending on what your team need is. So uh, one guy that I'm really high on it, and I think is probably getting close to the last time you can buy a low on is uh, going to be Juju. I just, you know, we're, I'm high on Juju. We've talked about where he's going to be ranked and, right now is probably the last time, you know, preseason is probably going to be too late, you know, especially if Ben comes back looking healthy, the offense looks healthy and you see that potential that was there previously, you know, and not to mention Juju may be on his last year here and he is going to be playing for that contract this year. And if he does, he's going to get paid to go somewhere else, uh, depending on how the market looks to be that number one. Because I do think Juju is that caliber, and he's really, really young for his, his years of experience. So, I just, it, it, I do think you're going to have to pay for Juju, but I think that you could probably pay closer to a wide receiver two price right now, or you could pay and pay fair value. But the upside is very significant, and even if be, it ends up being a wash, I don't really see a world where you're going to lose a trade if you get Juju. I don't think you can necessarily overpay if it fits that team mold. Yeah, look, I'm a I'm a juju believer, so I mean I've got him in dynasty. I, I sincerely hope that Ben looks healthy because I certainly believe everything that you just said about Juju being a bio candidate. Because believe it or not, I've actually tried to move Juju in the offseason. I really couldn't get any biters. And that's okay. I still do believe in Juju. And I do believe with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger and a healthy offense in Pittsburgh, you know, Ben does typically, you know, hone in on one receiver. And that certainly can be Juju. And he kind of showed that in the preseason last year when Ben and Juju were both healthy. So I, I certainly could see that happening. I definitely agree. He's a Milo candidate probably today. But if you talk mid-August, I don't think he would be a Milo candidate anymore, as you just said. Right. And, you know, you and I were, you know, we talked about Juju and I wanted him and what you were asking for him was not unfair. And maybe after the draft, my team makeup's different. So they could be more feasible, but I also have more wide receiver depth than I did then too. So again, it has to be, you know, if you're, especially if you're looking for counter positions, like it's a lot easier to fix a trade if you're looking at future draft picks and um, maybe a younger receiver or an very much older, like an AJ green, involved with a draft pick with a juju type of situation. So it's all about kind of how you package and what that other team needs um, and how that, and what they have. So, you know, I definitely am, I, I have been interested in him and I've been high on him and, you know, we couldn't work something out. And so it definitely has to work out for both teams. And it's a lot easier when somebody is much more down on him. 
Yeah, I understand. It's very interesting that you're trying to negotiate a little a little trade here uh, in the middle of the podcast. I like it. I like I like like when you bring that kind of boldness to the podcast. Um, <laughs> the next receiver on the list that I've got here is someone who I felt like who's been in the league for fucking forever, to be honest with you. And that's Jameson Crowder. Believe it or not, Jameson Crowder is only 26 years old, and he's been in the league for five years. And he just feels like a name that's just been around forever and ever. But in the sense of someone who has just stayed consistent when he's on the field, that's been Jamison Crowder. Um, and in the New York Jets offense, he loves he loves him some Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold loves him some Jamison Crowder. When Crowder was on the field, he had a, a fairly big season last year uh, in a PPR format. I mean, he had 122 targets. He has 78 receptions and six touchdowns. His yardage wasn't there, but from a PPR perspective and the 12 games that he started, he had some pretty big numbers. And I had him early on in the season uh, in one of my leagues, and he had some fairly big games that I was able to start him in some flex positions. And he he outright won me some weeks last year. And, you know, with some of the you know, departures over in New York with Robbie Anderson, you're going to have some targets up for grabs and in comes Brashad Behrman in comes Denzel Mims, <clears throat> two receivers who don't have a whole lot of work and reps with Sam Darnold. Unlike someone like Jamison Crowder who can probably be bought at a wide receiver three slash four price tag right now. And someone who could definitely return uh, a low end wide, low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver two value um, given the the talent that he has and the rapport that he has with Darnold and seeing the situation around him with Perriman and Mims coming in, uh, there's not a whole lot there with you know someone that Darnold's familiar with. You may not get a whole lot of training camp and OTAs and things like that. So uh, having someone with a rapport like Crowder and Darnold is certainly an opportunity for Crowder to have a pretty solid season this year. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, I like the pick. I think that you can uh, – especially, you know, because Crowder's probably not high up on anybody's death chart right now, you would think. And I think that you could probably get, you know, especially swap a, you know, up-and-coming position somewhere, you know, maybe a, like a prospect running back or uh, almost like a handcuff and a late pick. And I think that especially if you're in PPR formats, which most people are, I mean, you're going to get a really, really high floor – and a safe player, you know. I I don't think you know Crowder is gonna win you a league, but he's that wide receiver three that you want to plug and never have to worry about pulling out. So he's uh, I, I yeah, I, I like it, especially if you can find somebody that has a lot of depth and some or a, a lot of that middle tier wide receiver type talent to where you can flop another position, whether you know tight end or running back. And I think you you know you can give somebody a number two tight end, and you probably could get Crowder, which it hopefully would work out much better for your team. Yeah, totally. He's, he's certainly a Milo Canada right now and has, has a lot of good opportunity with the Jets going forward. Yeah, if he goes off – and here's the thing. If he's a – if he goes off for the first four weeks of the season, he's going to turn into a huge sell-high candidate because you never know when he's the next guy to get hurt. But you've <laughs> ridden that wave. And here's the thing. If he works out, that's great. But if you sell him high, you're selling him at his ceiling because I do think that he probably has the opportunity to go off for the first half of the season. And you want to roll the dice and wait a week, wait a week. But I, I, I do think that he could be in season a really good sell high. So buy him now on the low end and sell him. And if, you know, if it's equal, so be it. But if he falls off, then you're still a winner. So, you know, again, he's a player that, you know, you can move later too. Yeah, that's, that's, that's totally absolutely right. I mean, you just got to be able to manipulate it right. And that, that's, that's a big key, you know, when to pull the trigger on those types of things. Right. Well, then similar to, I think, the Juju, which I don't know how much value you can maybe get. And I kind of put them in the – I'll put two together because I think they're kind of similar. I had them both written down. But I think DJ Chark and uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown, I think very much this is where their floor is going to be. You know, I think Chark is probably a little higher valued. So you may not get as much for him, but I do think that he could take a big step getting towards the number one receiver, um, getting pushing like number one receiver caliber um, in fantasy rankings. And I think that next year could be his going into the preseason at a significant uh, ranking 
relative to where he's coming into this year, but I really could see him skyrocketing that the, the Jags are going to be garbage time. DJ is going to be the clear number one on the team. And I mean, he's going to get big play opportunity, volume opportunity. Um, and I think, you know, similar to Hollywood, you know, number two, second year in the league and Hollywood, you know, is subjected to Lamar Jackson's inaccuracies in some regards. And I think both of them are going to improve. Lamar uh, Hollywood came into the season banged up. Um, foot was injured. He was only he was on a snap count to begin the season. And it seemed like every time he got in the game, he scored a touchdown. And that obviously leveled out as the year went along. But I think that both Hollywood and Lamar are going to continue to improve. And, you know, I'm not as down on the Ravens passing game. And I do think at some point the Ravens running game is going to slow up a little bit. And part of their um, counteraction to that, you know, offensively is going to be to open up that passing game and to keep people out of the box with all the receivers they drafted and the one deep threat and the best player outside of probably Lamar Jackson and Dobbins is going to be Hollywood. So I think that both of them are going to boom this year. So anytime up till week one is probably going to be your last time because once they start going off, it's going to be hard to get value for those guys. You can do a swap for them, but I think they're going to be pushing those upper echelon receivers. And I think there is good, there could be very much a change in the guards over the next few years where a lot of these older guys that have been holding these top spots are going to start coming down and these young guys are really going to push. And if there's not a flip-flop, it's just going to be a higher compression of those high-end receivers. And it's just maybe it's just going to get deeper. You know, I'm not as high on Brown as you are, but I want to read – I want to tell you something about, about DJ Sharp for a second. Uh, let me read this off to you. 12 games started, 60% completion percentage, 3,200 yards, 21 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Those are the numbers for Gardner Minshew last year in 12 games. That's pretty fucking good for a rookie quarterback. I know he was – that's a lot of garbage time, but he zeroed in on DJ Shark a lot. And DJ Shark was a wide receiver one for the first, I think, what, eight to ten weeks of the season last year. He was tearing shit up. And with Gardner Minshew getting another opportunity to be the starting quarterback in Jacksonville, I do believe DJ Shark, not only does he have the talent to be a wide receiver one, but he's got a quarterback who zeroes in on him. And they're most certainly going to be playing from behind because that defense is taken and nose dying. So they're going to be playing from behind week in and week out. So you're going to have you know the GTP Kings, of fantasy football, Jacksonville Jaguars with Gardner Minshew and DJ Shark loading up in fantasy points in the in the third and fourth quarters. Yeah, it, it's it's he had he is going to be the proficient leader as well as getting garbage time. So he's a uh, he's even a higher upside, honestly, Terry McLaurin because it's just I think him and Terry McLaurin are probably even more comparable to Hollywood because the Ravens are going to probably be beating people so bad they may not need to throw, you know, half of their games. So maybe McLaurin's probably a better um, uh, comparison. The problem is, unlike in our league, I don't know if you can buy McLaurin on the cheap. You know, I think there's a – even with his <laughs> – I, I think there's, there's – there, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's – I just felt like there's a much higher perception of McLaurin versus DJ Chark. And, you know, we're in LSU's backyard. You know, I just – but I think outside of, you know, the one McLaurin owner, I think that there is a higher perception, but I think that that is what you're getting. You're getting a number one receiver on a bad team who could be somewhat proficient throwing the football and is going to get a bunch of trash. I mean, that's – you know, we said when we first started, we did our rankings. Like, those are the guys, like, I absolutely am okay with taking yeah, totally agree. And, and, you know, hearing you talk about the Terry McLaurin trade that happened over the weekend, I can't help but just mention the, the Miles Sanders robbery trade that you got over the weekend as well. So, well, he's, know, he's obviously a buy low. I mean, I'd like it noted. I mean, yeah. clearly. Yeah, Miles Sanders is a buy low. Like, my left nut is, is a buy low. Hey, yeah, good, I, okay. hey good job, bro. Look, not everybody can be us. We got to go get what we can get. Yeah, no shit. Anywho, um, no, I totally agree with DJ Shark there. I, yeah, I'm definitely not wrong on that. I think he's got immense talent. And you're right, the, the buying the buy now is now. 
because once the season starts, it's not happening. Well, honestly, like there's there is. I mean, it's proven over this past week, and I think when you look at a lot of things, a lot of recent trades and actions in other leagues, that this receiver class is so um, just loaded and it's just so impactful and the hype's gotten so high on these guys which we're all high on a lot of them but you know people are swapping these second year receivers which are probably one year closer to the breakout so if they're not dk metcalf or aj brown and they already haven't like boom like there is a ton of loaded number two wide receivers i mean second year wide receivers you know char hollywood mclaurin you know aj has already blown up but like miko hardman like there's a lot of guys that are sitting in the wings from a dynasty perspective. Like if these guys are high on these draft picks, that's great. Just keep feeding off of that. To me, I, I appreciate the player that is one or two years ahead of the rookie that is about to hit his stride, even though he hasn't fully gotten there yet. And that's why I'm more, you know, those believers, like I've seen what I wanted to out of Hollywood. I've absolutely seen it out of Chark and McLaurin. Like to me, like I don't, I, I, it's, it would be hard for me if I had the choice between CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, who I really, really like, versus DJ Chark and McLaurin. Not that they were close to what they were coming out, but I have seen it. And maybe I'm playing it safe, but I've seen it. I see what the team is, and I see that upside. I absolutely would understand if an owner wanted to go with those guys over these rookies because the rookies still, regardless of how um, respected they were coming into it, they still have to prove it and have to evolve, and not everybody works out. These guys, I don't see how they don't make it in the NFL after what they've shown after this year unless injury happens. So, you know, it's just what you're buying is just, you know, the upside with that safety. You know, the rookies, you're buying upside. You don't know what the safety is. Now, you can't say that CeeDee Lamb's safe because nobody has any idea because they're a rookie. Like, you, nobody's seen it yet on the field. It has not translated. So, I just – uh, those guys, that second-year wide receiver in general is a fucking buy. Yeah, you, you make a really good point about that. And you, you saw some some wheeling and dealing this past weekend with some of that stuff. So, uh, I, like I said, I, I completely agree on the DJ Shark take. Um, did you want to run through some t- uh, a tight end or two here? Oh, uh, yeah, we could just I'll, – I'll knock them on out real quick. I think, um, I think Evan Ingram could be a really good buy right now because I think that you can get him as a pay for a low-end tight end one because he's had a couple down years, and I'm a believer. So it comes down to that. If you're a believer and the owner's frustrated, make him an offer. See what you can get. And you may be able to make him offer for one of my other two guys that I have. And I think, you know, I've talked about Johnny Smith and Ian Thomas. I think they're very similar in their opportunities and their roles. And – it shouldn't cost you anything. You know, they're, you know, 11 to 20 ranked tight ends. You know, they do have some upside, but if either of them take a step forward and a commanding presence as offense, it's, it's what they could be. So I hope that you're not leaning on those two guys to be your starter right now. However, those two guys could be staples and be pushing tight end one. And there's no way to absolutely know with either, but with, Bridgewater and with Tannehill, I think that those types of quarterbacks are going to take advantage of a single competent tight end where they both were splitting with veterans previously. So I think, again, right now, you wait till the season or you wait till the camp hype comes out, it may be too late. So it is kind of a roll of the dice, you know, a, a leap of faith. But I would buy Evan Ingram when he's probably going to be at his lowest, and I'm going to buy these guys before they're able to jump up. Yeah, I totally agree on the on the Evan Ingram, John New Smith, Ian Thomas, both of, both of those guys, and I would say they're more of a, a buy low now because I think when the season starts and these guys potentially could get rolling, uh, the 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 ceiling could be a little bit higher than what it is right now, and, and where the the buy low factor is. Uh, my two my two buy low candidates, one was Dallas Goddard. Um, I believe Dallas Goddard is a, is a great talent, and I do believe Ertz is kind of getting. He's, he's only 28 years old, but he's got a lot of tread on the tires, and he has a previous injury history. Uh, I worry that you know, Ertz could be on the on the back end of his career, and Dallas Goddard is somebody who's entering his third year as a tight end. He knows that offense very well. He's developed a good rapport with Carson Wentz, and he is someone that, you know, is when Ertz is not on the field, Goddard is an automatic tight end one without question. Um, my other guy would be Tyler Higby, and I think he's almost like a forgotten man at this point. 
in in this in fantasy. To be honest with you, I see a lot of rankings, and he's down in the in the mid to, to low teens, uh, from like fifteen to eighteen. And this is someone who lit the fucking world on fire in fantasy football last year. Um, the most like the last four to five weeks of the season, he he had numbers that were just out of this world. Not only were they tight end one numbers, but they were wide receiver one numbers in the PPR format. For someone, I know it's a short time span, but for someone being valued where he is, it's almost kind of a lottery ticket. You you could probably pick him up for say a, a third round pick and, and kind of hold on a lottery ticket right there. And if he hits, he hits. I know they've got Gerald Edward over there with Robert Woods, but uh, they've said they're going to go to more 12 personnel, which is two tight ends on the field. And the way they treated Higby, even with Everett came back the last week of the season, Higby was the main target. And he was getting, they were lighting him up. And he has that high end upside of a tight end one that you could get right now for a mid tier tight end two. No, I, uh, I don't want to extend the podcast any longer because I know we're running deep, but I think Higby. I had OBJ kind of uh, in parentheses. I think both of them are great examples of they could be an absolute buy and they can be an absolute sell because if somebody's willing to pay for, you know, if somebody's willing to pay for what Higby did at the end of last year, I would absolutely sell him. However, if somebody is selling Higby, you know, because they don't believe in that and you can find that they don't believe in that, they're like, okay, he had a good run, but I'm willing to give him up because I have other options Then I can definitely see buying him on the cheap. So, and similar with OBJ, like I think that you know they're very comparable because the the ceiling and the floor is significant, and it's all about who owns them and how they feel about them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, guys. Well, we appreciate uh, y'all listening. I hope y'all enjoyed tonight's podcast. You know, with some of our buy low candidates, we'll be back on Monday with some of our sell high candidates for dynasty formats. Uh, other than that, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Stay safe. Uh, stay away from politics and worry about fantasy football. Absolutely. And remember, knowledge and power. Only in fantasy, not in real life, not politics like Adam just said.